Welcome back to the Final Phase Podcast. Last time we had a creator, this time we're going to go back to esports. We'll dive deep into the life of an observer and an in-game director, which is a career that maybe some of you didn't know even existed. Our guest today is regarded by many as one of the best in the business, at least when it comes to PUBG. So let's jump right in. There we go. Ansvar is here with us, hailing from Sweden, repping that IKEA chair. <laughs> is that a, is that an IKEA, Marcus? That's the yeah, one. That is a Marcus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you're Swedish. You kind of have to. I mean, you, you gotta be. There we go. <laughs> you gotta Always rep it, ready. dude. Yeah. There we go. Um, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I was really looking forward to this, especially after I saw your recent tweets about uh, not getting hired and stuff. I mean, we're not going to get into uh, that specific situation, but I want to talk about just observing as a job, as a job within esports and as a career. And I think that a lot of people don't even know what observing is. So could you tell us what an in-game observer does? Well, basically, we're responsible for the entire storyline. So once we get in game, we or I have free reigns on what to do, what to show, how to show it. And to be honest, it's like the the main red line throughout the tournament will often be decided if you have good or bad observers, in my opinion. If you have good observers, you'll have that red line, maybe follow the special team a little bit too much, but not all the time. And still, like, give the respect of the casters. Are they talking about a building? Are they talking about a player? Then we, of course, need to show that player because it won't give you anything if you're showing a house in Rossock at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about uh, a camera that is in-game that is being shown on stream in esports tournament. So you're the main guy for 99% of the content that is being created uh, on on an esports tournament stream, right? Because you're the one that does all the moves with the camera and decides when to show people and stuff. But also, I, I guess you work with spectate, uh, sorry, the, the commentators, because you kind of have to help them out also if they spot something and then you jump into their story and not, the, you, you kind of intertwined, like they sh they're trying to tell your story, but you also try to tell theirs in, in a way, right? Yeah, it's like a play in between us. And like in the beginning, it, it started out with, you know, very few observers and no big game plan or whatever. And it was always like a play between caster and observer, but then a lot was still missed. So we kind of brought in and created bigger teams. So instead of me being the only one flying around in game, I've actually taught other people on how I do it and how I think. And then they're now working underneath me in a sense where I'm the guy deciding what goes on live. And then they give me the five or six or seven alternatives on what to show on top mm -hmm. of the map. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of evolved on its own to turn into a much bigger thing than just the one guy choosing the camera angle and stuff. I'm just the guy who decides now. Okay, <laughs> and that is called the in-game director now. Yeah, technical like director in-game. Yeah, new term, yeah. I fancy guess. titles, mate. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, go from the beginning. How did you get into PUBG? Um, well, it's kind of how I got into esports at all. I've always been watching and, you know, listening and reading about it as well as playing myself. And I was sitting there streaming on Twitch and got a little bit of viewership. And uh, this was about the time where the first Gamescom was played. 
So I was sitting there illegally restreaming it with 50 plus viewers <laughs> and it basically boiled down into me talking my two cents of why are they showing that? Why are they there? Like I was criticizing the observing for being done wrong. And then Simon from GLL was actually looking in and thought I had some, you know, good things to say. And he basically messaged me a month later and gave me my first deal. So I just took it. Wow. That's uh, well, you started quite early then in uh, in PUBG's uh, esport history, like 2017 already. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So how did you decide that that was the thing you, that you want to do? I mean, it was more or less I had just quit my I, I call it the graveyard shift, but it's a night shift at a hostel, mm -hmm. which after four years tried to really, really bring me down. Um, so I, I just decided that, okay, I'm streaming every day before work and after work. And I just started doing that as my thing. And then when I got the chance to get into eSport, I was like, well, that sounds a lot more fun. So as I either start studying and make something proper of myself or see what this eSport thing is going to bring. So I decided <laughs> the latter and just, yeah, YOLO as they say. <laughs> um, so about that uh, opportunity, the first opportunity you got, uh, Simon from GLL, you said, um, uh, so what what did you do? How did that look for the first few months? Oh, so it started out with me as community manager of a sort. Like I was first time just thrown into the fire and was supposed to take care of their Twitter and stuff like that. And it eventually moved on to as soon as we had the first uh, GLL thing, I, they just threw me into the fire and was like, yeah, you observe because you know how it's done. I was like, yeah, okay. And I just sat down and tried to, to make the best out of it. But back then it was literally one observers and i can't even remember how many teams i know there was some tournaments where it was 20 teams somewhere it was 18 somewhere it was a full lobby like just maxed out lobby didn't care about the players or how it looked um so yeah i mean it was it started as community manager went over to observing and then they just let me observe and it became kind of like a my thing i guess mm -hmm. so on the first land that you did how many observers did you have the first LAN event I did, uh, I mean, the first one I was at was PGL, which I didn't really work on, but still took care of 16 team streams on my own. And they had one in-game director and four observers. Mm -hmm. And that kind of became what we looked at uh, when we were looking to like, oh, what can we do to make observing or bring in more people? Uh, that's like their setup was the one we were looking at. And I think... Uh, ESL had looked at a similar one for PGI because the first time I was really in-game directing was the PGI Europe qualifiers. I think that was 2018. Probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's it's like evolved on its own. Uh, mostly, I think, from TOs like being, oh, yeah, we can't catch this with one. Maybe we need more. And they started figuring out bigger setups. And that one was me and then five. So that's mm -hmm. the first like step I took from solo observing into having five people next to me trying to do the same thing. Yeah, and f let's jump like, a bit forward and go to the events that had the most observers. What is the max people that you had in your team? The max people I had was the, the face it one. We were supposed to be me plus six, and then we got a, a, a runner, Ryan, uh, and he, I, I just asked him to sit at the PC and, you know, yeah, try observing for a bit. And he 
ended up being really good, you know, like understanding esports and the flow of the casters and everything, which I think generally most Twitch viewers do. Uh, you understand what you want to see and how you want to see it. And he kind of just put that in, sat down. I was like, wait, I can actually use this guy. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so we ended up being seven. And when I told Face It, they were like, yeah, he's yours now. He doesn't have to do anything. If anyone says anything, just tell, tell him to come to us. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, nice. <laughs> So yeah, me plus seven is the biggest one I've had this far. Uh, mm. And then you take into account that you, during that case, we had two replay guys as well so that was connected to our main LAN, as well as the producer, as well as it was so many people in the end, but we try to make it so me and the observers communicate and then I communicate to everyone else. Like if the replay guy says something to us, I will hear it, they won't. But if my guy says something to the replay guys, the replay guys will hear it. Yeah. Uh, just to make communication so they can scream and talk and yeah, they can do whatever they want basically on our voice comms as soon as they, as long as they do it in a, in a good, good way. <laughs> so uh, when we're talking this many people, it's mostly for PUBG, right? Not other popular esports titles. They don't need that many observers. Right? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's the depth as well as the large scale map you have uh like the game the battle royale genre on its own it's like you don't have the classical oh this team versus this team set amount of players set starting points for half the match and then they swap in this you have oh well you know last game yeah you were unlucky let's see if you're unlucky with the circle this game or the next and the next and you can literally have teams that do amazing plays from the worst of positions just because they have a special looting point while in Counter-Strike, you won't really get affected other than, oh, now we have the B spawn. Maybe we should rush B. Oh, maybe they have the B spawn. Maybe they will rush B too. It's like, it's a, I don't know. I don't want to say the other is easier than the next one. It's it's different type of games, but I just know that B arc requires so much more from more people, which in the end just makes it a more complex game to yeah. showcase. Yeah, I mean, there's so many more players in the game, right? It's yeah. just it's just so many more missed opportunities, possibly. Uh, with the action, like that, that is probably one of the hardest things, like catching all the action, just, just trying to catch all the kills. Especially since in PUBG, most of the action happens always at the same time. Like, a circle closes, and then five different teams start fighting. How do you deal with situations like that? It's always about prioritizing. Sometimes, some tournaments, some games, you will see even me just swap between everything just to showcase, oh, we got this kill. Yeah, we got this kill too. Oh, we got this kill. Uh, but sometimes it's more like, okay, maybe stick to one fight. Let the casters, you know, do their thing about it. You have maybe two or three opportunities to do those kind of fast jumps. I don't know how many notice, but as an example, the face it one with the nade, uh, just to not stay on the guy with the nade all the way while he was crawling, I went over to another kill right before he came up and started cooking the nade. Yeah, and that yeah. was one of those. I was like, we can't just show this. Although it's good, we need to show that, oh, look what happened on the other side of the map, and now we're back again. Yeah. So you have to kind of feel uh, it's like a weighing point. Sometimes it will be needed to jump from NIP versus Knights over to Face versus Liquid over to, you know, just because that's explosive fights with, high name or uh, high profile teams yeah, yeah while yeah. at the same time sometimes you'll have i don't want to call anyone out but the worst teams or like worst fights where it's like oh one getting picked off here and one getting picked off there and it's like 
that's no talking point because unless we're there when it happens, it's like, oh, here we see him go down. And then they want to start talking about what they were talking about earlier. You know, the player in liquid that's so good or the, the rotation from face that is so bad or, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So what does a typical LAN event look like from an observer's point of view? Like a timeline for you once you land, like preparation stuff you got to do and uh, the actual tournament then? So basically, it's it's not that much in the end. Basically, what I usually want is to have a list of what teams are in this tournament, what what players are in this tournament, what what like what can we expect on that end. But overall, as preparation for an event, I feel like the most important thing to get is actual scrims in game. If you don't get that, you'll have the what we call the first day issues, uh, just simply because because it's a lot of issues that come into play, especially if you're supposed to, you know, like we said before, be there before it happens rather than be there when it happens. Uh, and yeah, without the warm-up games, we've noticed that a lot of the times you'll have that first games that are just so bad that I won't be happy, the observers won't be happy, the communication will break, like all those small stuff. While if we get like those first practice games in, you'll have a whole other start to the tournament, whole other start to everything more or less. So that's like what we all, that's like the one important thing that I always ask for. It's give us scrims. I don't care if the players are in, if we just get to go and fly around the game while 64 players are standing AFK, that's good enough for me. Just let us fly around just so we can, you know, practice. Oh, I'm going here. I'm doing this. Can, oh, I've got this team. Can you go for that team? Um so yeah that's like the biggest preparation and then during tournaments i will watch a vod or two or three especially if i remember something that was bad or maybe that i didn't see you know properly because i swap to one feed and then i'll sit and look at what happens or go back to the other monitors to see okay what's what's next what will what will we go for next is it a map and then boom into the next team is it boom straight into the next team because we don't have time you know it's it's always just making it up on the fly uh, and I feel like if we try to restrain ourselves too much, like let's say the four-team focus that I dislike heavily, it's that would that would limit the observers to the point where the observers wouldn't be free to the point where they wouldn't even try to predict, oh, this team is going to drive past fuss face. Let's go on fuss face. Like that's what I need. That's the free. That's the freedom we need essentially. Um, so yeah, that's like the, typically I land, I go eat, if I can, I sleep. <laughs> and then during game days, we just try to get practice in. And then we sit after each game, we kind of discuss what went wrong communication wise. What did we show in a bad way? What should we focus on now? And then of course, go bounce off with the casters and be like, yeah, these four teams are the ones we're starting with. And do you want a special player for each team? Do you want to see what gear they have? Do you want to see how the layout is of the city they drop do you want us to go for only teams that drop in areas that they're not confident in like anything can be thrown in more or less uh so may maybe i didn't answer the question specifically <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> there's, there's a lot of different things and different events i guess um but yeah. mostly you just have to communicate with the guy in charge of what you're supposed to do but you also kind of want to fight for your rights and what you yeah. what you want to do um good balance i guess um so what do you think how good do you have to be at pubg specifically to be uh, an observer in pubg 
I'd say it's more like knowing the game. Uh, people sometimes ask me if like, oh, but I know all the players, I know all the teams. And I see that as the secondary, even third thing to take into account to be a good observer. Like most important will always be map knowledge without like map knowledge is a hundred percent of what I do. Uh, I know when let's look at a wrangle. I know when a team rotates south of a compound, if the people in the compound will be able to shoot, I don't know a hundred percent where the range is, but I know, oh, this is downhill. They're going to shoot a few shots. If they're lucky, they might get one. So that's not worth. Instead, we go for this team that is further up, which they're going straight for. Um, so I'd say I'd say that is like the most important part, and also having an interest in esports has helped me. You know, uh, when I when I sit there, I, I kind of listen to the casters very much, just to know where are we at, where, like where where in the story are we. If I if I hear them just go silent for a second, that that's kind of my cue. Okay, we have to give them something. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they continue talking about something, then we can stay on a compound until I feel oh, it's a fight over here. Just Let's skip it or on a player, etc. So, I mean, understanding of how esports work and then uh, passion for PUBG is basically what what brought me where I am. Uh, just uh, willing to always make it better and not look like a complete ass. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, you know, just knowing your game. You don't have to know every player, every team. Uh, that's like a luxury item in my point of view so I, I would say just have have a passion for for esports overall and then if you have a lot of game knowledge on top of that watched a lot of esports shows or tournaments you're in a very good place so that that's what i would say it's hard to say i used to say oh you need at least two thousand hours but i literally have friends with two thousand hours now that couldn't tell me where milta power is so <laughs> You know, it's gone yeah. past that point where it's yeah. more, you know, you have to look into people that sit on the special knowledge in here, which is why I usually ask ex-pros or pros that weren't qualified for tournaments. I usually go up to them and ask if they want to observe because it's fairly easy for them to to get into it. They won't f- at first understand how the tools work, etc., but they'll still be where they're supposed to be just off their head. They know, oh, he's driving short, short south of that. Oh, that he got shot up. He's going to die. He's not going to die. Oh, he did survive. Oh, my God. Did we get that? Replay, replay. You know, that's basically what you do as an observer now. Yeah. Uh, so what pros, for example, or ex-pros did you uh, work with lately? Um, X, Moldman. Uh, I've had some help from Hayes when he's been in the GLL studio. Then he's been like casting and stuff, but he's been sitting down for a bit too. Um, and then there, there's a few in contact for potential future ones that I won't mention right mm-hmm. now. But yeah, there's uh, there's quite a few, and it's it's easier to work with them because I don't have to under like you know explain the basics. Yeah, because uh, I have this second. My second guy is Willem, and he's a guy where I literally I taught him from scratch. He had like what 300 hours uh, in PUBG, and he understood the game, and he's been watching for a lot of years and stuff like that. But it took some time for him to understand the flow. So we basically just had him sit next to me and just, you know, do what I did. But it was always on me because I was always first. As soon as he said, oh, I have a fight. And then he saw my screen. I was already looking at the fight, showcasing the fight. It was like, oh, okay. And now it's at the point where we will either be on the same thing or one of us will be first on the same things, which is like, I think it's more or less, he knows my mindset now, what I prioritize. And I think that's like, 
what you need in a in a serving hierarchy or whatever. They need to know what, what I'm gonna scream out in so, order for me. So not it's to a team effort. Out. Like uh, yeah, you need synergy to uh, like work work on the same wavelength. Let's say to get the most out of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's like the biggest thing. Tos have have been like very negative towards as well. They're like, oh, there's no way you can have so many people on the same voice comm. Oh, it doesn't work. It didn't work for us. It's like, no, but we've been doing this for two and a half years now. We're kind of used. On top of that, we played a lot of games in our youth. So we're kind of used to people screaming when they shouldn't. Just look at a Counter-Strike player. If you played Counter-Strike, you know what I mean. <laughs> Your friend dies, you're in true, a one true. versus one. And he's like, oh my God. And he's sitting there complaining. You don't hear the guy and you die. And then you yeah. just want to smash his face. <laughs> <laughs> You recently also observed an Apex tournament. How did that go? That was interesting. It was uh, it was super fun. Uh, since like currently Apex doesn't have a an observing tool, we don't have really the luxury of comparing it to PUBG quite yet. Because I've never observed PUBG with only having all the POVs. That was kind of before this. That was kind of a wet dream of mine. But then I saw how it was at the Apex event, and I was like, please, never. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that observing tool, like, working, please. Uh, so it was, it was different uh, since for that one, we had five observers who had uh, three teams each, I think, or if it was four teams each. I think it was three teams each. So basically, I could choose between what they had chosen they saw the three teams or the four teams <laughs> uh, all the povs of each player so i could swap between that and then i could swap between a three split which was all the pov of the three players because there was no map uh there was as, as there was no observing tool of course uh, so we had to, like, if we wanted to showcase the map, what we did was I called out, okay, if somebody keeps up the map now, please do tell oh, I have the map. <laughs> and we called out and we went for a player that held the map up, preferably, uh, what's his what's his name again? Uh, the character can, that can reveal the next circle. Oh, Pathfinder. Pathfinder, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Pathfinder. So we were trying to aim for Pathfinders because they were always showing us the next circle. So we got that. <laughs> okay, now we've shown two circles, boys. We can chill. Let's show some TSM players. Or whatever. So it was it was very different just because we didn't have the freedom, which we've actually like that's that's what we've been getting so much good words uh about is the fact that we'd like the free cam is something that we have taught ourselves how to control, how to utilize. Yeah. And it will be fun once that one is ready for Apex, because I see a lot of nice cinematic shots that you would never be able to pull off in PUBG, mainly because the movement is so different. Yeah, uh, but overall as well, like completely different game in that sense. So once I get that observing tool and get to try that one, I promise I'll give you a a good comparison between the two. Yeah, well, in Apex especially, the action is so fast and and so many teams at once. You really need an overhead view of of the action sometimes, and it's 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 a total mess. Uh, yeah. But I guess I guess they'll get it soon. So uh, looking forward to that. I'm really interested in how it's gonna look. I really am. Yeah, same here. All right, let's go. Let's say to the main topic, and that is making a living out of being a professional esport observer. Um, you guys work on events, mostly offline events. I guess online events also are paid, right? but yeah. probably not as much. So 
how do you live day to day as a professional observer or an in-game director? Like in the beginning, I had it pretty okay. Um, I I was with half and half with GLL on a, like a paid contract, so I had that. What do you call it? Um, I had that luxury of knowing that I would be able to pay this month's rent and next month's rent. I was always guaranteed that. Then how much food and stuff I got by the side. Yeah, well, that was up to me and me streaming and me doing stuff. And also, like, I had savings left from my old job. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then, like, over this, like, these two years, it's been more and more in the sense where it's like I start worrying about the next month, two months before. I start planning ahead. Oh, this is how much I have. Oh, this is how much I can spend. This is how much I can, you know, I need to put away for rent. So it's always been like I I manage, but it's with the smallest, smallest, uh, I don't find the word now, but it's it's not a lot for me to to make it. It's been kind of a meme with the observing money. And as a PUBG observer, sure, I, I, I do pretty okay, I guess. But overall, it's been too few gigs. And too little security, basically. So it's been, yeah, it's been it's been harder and harder justifying it. What keeps me going is that people still look at it as I'm doing something amazing. You know, relatives and friends who didn't understand why I was sitting at the PC are now like, oh, wow, you're actually making money off of it. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> you know, I don't want to kind of, you know, give away that. And I will clinch my way just to just to stay here as long as possible. But it's it's been quite of a struggle. Especially when you, I mean, I never take for granted I get anything, but once you start seeing, you know, some TOs disappear or stop talking to you, it kind of affects you mentally as well. Even though you want to say, oh, I'm bigger than that, or uh, it still gets to you in a certain point. But I mean, I love it. I love every second I get to work. Like being free now is like my work. Uh, That's what I dislike. Sitting at home, you know, having all the freedom in the world, that's... I don't like that anymore. I despise it. While other people might despise their job, I'm the opposite. I love going to work and getting called in by TOs and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's a it's a back and forth. Hopefully, we'll see where everything turns out. But, uh, yeah, that's my two cents of it. Stressful. Yeah. But why, why do you think things have changed lately? Hmm. Less opportunities overall, I would boil it down to considering PUBG took more control out of everything but at the same time I still get contacted about a lot of like smaller gigs uh but most of the time people just message me now for for input or from to make me oh what should I think of what should I do and it's like I'm I'm even considering <laughs> oh my god consulting fees <laughs> yeah exactly I, I wish it was that easy <laughs> that would have been great I mean, like, yeah. yeah consulting i'll give you everything i know because yeah. i mean going back to it in my opinion the only thing to learn this game properly in that sense would be to just do it do it do it either play it to the point where you hate it or observe it to the point where you understand what a struggle it is mm-hmm. um <laughs> so uh, when it comes to your pay, uh, are you treated more like a talent or a production uh, guy? It can really depend on the TO. Sometimes they, you notice that when you go into um, talks with them, they kind of look at you as a part of production, uh, uh, 
I don't want to call it less worth, but a, a less important part of production at the very least. So people get like surprised, I'd say, when we show up and we kind of know that we have a certain worth or we can we can justify our price on what the quality we bring in with the observing. Um, but I don't know. It feels like it's 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 the wrong way for me, at least. I always felt like, or I always looked at at observers as talent, even before, you know, I, I really knew there was a gig that was called observer because I understood that it's most of the time not the dudes that are casting that are doing it, mainly because I didn't hear the tapping of the keyboards or the mouse, <laughs> which yeah. will be there no matter what microphone you use if you're observing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's hard, but at, at the same time fun because you'll notice some TOs look at it that way, and then after a tournament you've done for them, they're like, okay, we understand now why you why you said that price or why you tried to negotiate this way. Uh, so I mean, I hope overall that observers, no matter what the title is, will have get some more cred. Let's talk about bad observers. Like, what can a bad observer cause to a stream experience? I mean, there could be a lot of things. Like, mainly if I look at it as myself, as a viewer, if I go and watch a broadcast of anything, if I sit there and try to learn the game and the casters are talking about a, a house and what we're looking at is a road, for me, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't give me anything. It's just, oh, I'm just looking at this because I'm looking at this. And in a game where you have to be, like you have to predict. Battle Royale is predict observing. It's like sometimes you'll be there at the perfect point. You'll get those kills or get that, you know, fly by where they shoot them off the bike in the sky. But most of the time, the reality is you'll be too late or you'll went for rendering buildings or, you know, all these uh, obstacles along the way. So I'd say like a good observing team, no matter what the title is, would just give you a happier viewer because the viewer will understand. If we're talking Counter-Strike, if you're talking about Guardian, but then we're looking from Olaf in a completely different you know position and they're talking about how he's aiming down long or whatever, and we're looking at a guy that's on B site, that doesn't add up. So for me, it was very important to, at the beginning, kind of free ride on the casters, you know, let the casters build the story, understand how they think. And then eventually I felt like I was comfortable enough to the point where I could, you know, give them the story or keep them entertained and give them stuff to talk about. Oh, they're mentioning this glitched uh, door in a house. I'm supposed to know which door they're talking about. That's, I, I, I took it very seriously very early on because this was my one chance into esports to actually, you know, all those, all those, things people have told me finally i can just say yeah yeah um, yeah i'm earning money <laughs> <laughs> like that was the important part that, yeah. that was literally what made me going um so i'd say it's it can be it can be a complete disaster if you have bad observing and if you don't look into it and also if you have good observing and you then decide to limit it i don't really know what you're what you're aiming at and that's like a big thing with battle royales is that instead of taking this hard uh, you know, the hard things observing is and trying to best make the best out of it, people try to find shortcuts. Either if it's the four-team focus or if it's just getting sheep observers so the production gets cheaper or if it's, you know, whatever the reasoning, if you don't get people that are competent and qualified for the task at hand, 
your end product will not be as good as you'd want it to be. Yeah, that's, that's what the I most... that's what I wanted to ask. Like, uh, why do people, the organizers, hire bad observers? I mean, I can only speculate. I can only guess. I mean, in some cases, it's good observers, but then they get, you know, told what to do and how to do it. Oh, we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that. I've always wanted to. Uh, be like, you know, what I put into play basically was if you get into a game where somebody is toxic, what you do to counter that is just be overly nice. If somebody <laughs> dies in a very bad way, you're like, oh, that's unlucky, dude. Next time you'll get him. You'll just, you just keep on mashing that to the point where all of a sudden you'll see it turning. Like people will either start playing better, be nice, and they won't fight and stuff like that. And that's how I treated it from the get-go. It's like, you know, I'm so happy to be here and stuff, blah, blah, blah. But if we did it this way, maybe... Uh, so I kind of tried to apply that just be, you know, even if somebody tells me somebody who's been in the business for 15 years and no observing, but they don't know BR observing and they'll be telling me, oh, this and this and that. And I'll be like, well, you can't really apply that, but thank you very much. I see. Um, so to conclude, can observing in esports be a full-time job in a career? Yeah. I mean, in my case, it was... Yeah, I mean, it's it's worth it. It's so fun. I enjoy working with all the TOs. I enjoy people actually, you know, listening to me in a sense. If I say something about observing, people generally seem to be like, yeah, well, he's observing. We Maybe we should listen to his two cents about it, which is which, which I'm happy about that I don't get, uh, get shit on as soon as I say something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but overall, as a full-time job and a career yeah i mean as it is right now i've managed i i'm i'm not at the best economic situation ever but i'll survive the year that's uh th that's where like it is right now so like i'll survive the year but it's not much more than that there's no sherry mm -hmm. on top and mm -hmm. also living in sweden is not the good thing if you're working freelance yeah. in esports everybody yeah. work everybody living in sweden right now <laughs> you know look towards <laughs> poland or something it's a <laughs> Tax difference of 30%, just yeah. so everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it also depends on the game. Obviously, in PUBG, there's not that many opportunities. But for example, if you were doing CS, or if you were doing a Dota for some online league or whatever, or Overwatch League, for example, like that makes a huge difference, right? Because then you, you're committed to that one organizer, to that one event that is all year long, typically, and uh, then you're set basically and there's people do you know uh are you friends with some people that work as observers in other games yes i mean i don't know many of them on a you know first name basis yeah, yeah. kind of thing it's more like you know online stuff mm -hmm. um i'm like uh, part of this big uh, observing discord now as an example with all the big Counter-Strike observers with all the big Dota. Everyone is basically... So if you if I have any questions, I can always turn to them. Uh, and also, like, we used to talk, like, about gigs we've had and fun stuff that happened during the, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, I think it's fairly easy to get into other... E I mean, it's kind of a closed-off market in a sense, but once you get in, you're kind of in. That's how mm -hmm. I feel about it, at least. Mm -hmm uh i've i've been looking towards other games but at the same time i don't feel confident enough to just go like let now i'm doing counter-strike let's go boys especially <laughs> not after seeing what happened to that star letter uh tournament going from PUBG to counter-strike might be a lot harder than i expected it to be um do you see yeah. yourself in counter-strike 
for example. I see myself in every game. I don't care which one it is. That's a good attitude. I mean, good attitude. Yeah, I mean, Counter Strike is what I grew up knowing. That's like yeah. the first esport for me was when people like it wasn't even considered an esport. It was people making money from video games. Yeah. That was the title in Sweden. I mean, you're, you're Swedish. Counter Strike is just you know in your blood. <laughs> yeah, so, like I grew up, watched HLTV, saw NIP back in the days. You know, no Counter Strike Go or anything, no Source, whatever. Yeah. It was one point six. And it was literally, oh, you want to see the game? Yeah, well, here you are. Observe for yourself. I guess I, you, I might have gotten something from that as well, but I honestly can't tell. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's like my, I was sitting there when I was young, just looking at it. I was like, I want to make money of games. That seems fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. All right. Uh, I think we went over basically everything I wanted to talk about. I'd like to thank you for coming. And I also wish you, you the best of luck with uh, observing. I know it's kind of rough, but I guess you never know in esports. You know, something just pops up and then you're set for the next few years doing that. So who knows? Yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, if anyone have any questions or whatever, just send them my way. If I don't answer, it would be a thousand different reasons why. <laughs> but just send it my way on Twitter, on Discord, on whatever. I, I, I don't really, I'm not as shut off. I, I like to help it's hard though to be like oh what should i think about i don't know what do you prioritize look into that instead do you want to get the most kills do you want to respect the story or however you want to take the broadcast that's kind of up on you yeah. uh, but there are opportunities and just keep chasing them even if it's a very low paid little gig as soon as you can say i did that or i did those that's when you're in so yeah. just keep grinding boys all right there we go guys thank you man see you thank you dude all right make sure to follow Ansvar on twitter he has two a's at the start so that's a Ansvar. hopefully we get to see you spectating on the global championship and maybe some other upcoming tournaments sign up for a newsletter for more info and upcoming content and some of my personal thoughts on various topics see you in the next one